Welcome to episode 42 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we are bringing you a brand new style of episode we're calling our Brush Pass Review. And to kick things off, we'll be reviewing the 2019 Luc Besson spy film, Anna. But without further ado, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Natasha Romanoff. Ethan Hunt. Looks like Elsa Faust. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Do you expect me to talk? I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. Yeah, baby! Special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? the British hand up, sir. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Coming to you from an undisclosed location on top of a washing machine that's vibrating very <laughs> sexily, it's Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC, the uh, podcast that is feeling very fashionable today. <laughs> Isn't it, though? We certainly are. But uh, we're uh, doing something kind of brand new here at the CIC. A little different. A little, little something different little new, for you. A little different. A little new, a little different. We figured, you know, we want to give you more of what you like, which is content, content, content. <laughs> and in our case, ridiculously stupid and uninformed, unscholarly like content hashtag silly spy shit hashtag silly spy shit so uh we are doing something called a brush pass review and uh how do we want to well here, so here so here's 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 the thing why is this different from a regular review you might ask yes so well and also if you want to <laughs> never mind so what is the difference between this and a regular one you might ask well it's simple our regular reviews are straight up reviews. We we take the things, we dissect, we put pieces. Very in depth. Very in depth. We get our talkie talkie on yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. in depth ones. We want we dive in, we do what we need to do, blah, 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 blah. And y'all like it because you keep coming back. So this is great. But we also realize sometimes we get a little too talky talky talky, maybe a little too in-depth. And sometimes you want like a bite-sized yeah, chunk. Like, like, like a, a little like a dessert. Yes. As if the regular ones were an entree. This is like the nice little gelato at the end. Cleanse Indeed. the palate, but still remind <laughs> you of the meal that you just had. Indeed. Indeed. And there are, <laughs> we have discovered in our many travels, some movies that just sort of don't lend themselves to a straight up format. Right. Like like, like we do with the movies that we typically do right and some there are some spy movies out there that maybe don't need the the fine tooth comb that we sometimes run over some of the quote-unquote bigger spy movies that we tend to uh, tackle right. here on the cic but they're still worth mentioning absolutely and so we found a new kind of semi-new format to kind of take a look at those movies right that we're but calling the brush brush pass. Pass so this will be more of a review in general in rather general. than in depth. Yes. Uh, we watch a movie that we come down, we record our thoughts, we share them with you. Yes. And then uh, we move on to whatever the next adventure is. And hopefully you uh, get back to us and tell us what you think of it. Yeah. This is very important. This is experimental. This is experimental. This is where using them fancy things we're always asking you to do come in place. That's with right. With the email, yes. with the Facebook, with the, the Instagram, with Please. the Twitter. Please do especially interact with this one. Yeah, but 
Let us know what you think of this. If you think it's cool, if you think it's dumb, stick with the old thing on everything else. <laughs> Do this only. Any ideas you have. We, we want to hear everything from you guys. But hey, we're going to try something new here and uh, we're all going to see how it goes. That's right. And so uh, today we are doing a review of the movie Anna by Luc Besson or Luc Besson. Luc Besson. Probably Luc Besson. Luc Besson. We, we, we might get corrected by Chris Ty. No, he well, seems to know his French. He does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Luc Besson. It's Luc Besson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, should we uh, jump right into this? Yeah, let's do it. It's quite the fairy tale you got going on here. From top flight model in Moscow to rubbing shoulders with the elite. What was the nature of your relationship with Oleg Filinkov? You entered his hotel at 1.37 p.m. Did you notice anything suspicious? Like what? Don't you look at the hotel security cameras? Tapes were raised. Looks like we're dealing with pros. How did you do that? What do you want most in the world? You'll never make it out of here. Hi. What's your name? Okay, so Anna released in Anna, like Anaconda. Like that's all oh, I can no. think of. That's all I can think of from uh, my fidelity. Where he's, <laughs> where he's talking to his friend about like the girl that he met. He's like, "What's her name?" And she's like, "He's like um, Anna." And he's like. Anna? Anaconda? <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> We're like 30 seconds into a review of Mamari taking us. We're going sideways. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Anna, released in 2019, written and directed by Luc Besson, who for the uninitiated has made such classics as The Fifth Element, Leon the Professional, Nikita, Lucy, and was a writer on the Taken and Transporter franchises. He also uh, made, what was the sci science fiction Valerian. movie? Valerian. Valerian. And the thousand, City of a Thousand Worlds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which I know you're, you're a yeah. fan of. I'm a fan of the movie. I can never remember the title. If there's more than three words in the title, forget about it. <laughs> Star Trek II and the Wrath of something yeah. that thing <laughs> but uh yeah luke besson has kind of been making atomic blonde movies before atomic blonde ever blonded but that being said atomic blonde might be better oh there's no question in my mind that atomic <laughs> yeah. blonde is better yeah it is, it is. <laughs> but that's not to say that this isn't a fun watch because Anna's a fun watch. Oh, absolutely. So, cinematography was done by Thierry Arbogast, who's a very frequent collaborator with Bassan, having done pretty much all the movies I just mentioned. Which, I mean, as far as photography goes, I thought it was done very well. Um, yep. Especially in the fight scenes, I did yes. like. Uh, the coverage is really good. And I don't know if that's down to blocking or down to actual photography discussion. I mean, that's sort of a thing that you work out with your with your. DOP, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm sure he probably was involved, but you've got to imagine second unit was doing a lot of that action stuff. Second unit, you've probably got a fight coordinator. Yeah. You've got all sorts of stuff. So, but all very clean, crisp, but no, no fuzzy bits in it where you know they look like they were trying to cheat something. Right. You know, it, it had it definitely had the Leechian feel to yes. it. Yeah, very David Leechian. But yeah, I have no problems with that. 
By the numbers, uh, the budget was $30 million, and the movie barely broke even, bringing in $32 million worldwide. Worldwide. That's not... That is not good. That's not great. Um, but, of course, one of the things that may have contributed to that is the... Uh, uh, well, Luke Besson was accused of sexual misconduct during production, and the charges were never filed due to lack of evidence. However, the studio and the distributors subsequently distanced themselves from the film so a lack of support could have quite possibly have sort of half sunk this thing yeah particularly since it was it wasn't exactly a quiet story out there so yeah you know he wasn't going to get any support from the art people that probably would have been singing his praises 10 years prior regardless well and the thing of it is is it is telling though that this sort of thing happens but I mean, this is one of those debates over, you know, how how far can you separate the artist's work from the artist sort right. of thing. Yeah. And I got to say, Luc Besson knows how to make movies. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And I think just the fact that he even broke even, given the story, says something. Because I saw the trailer, had no idea that Luc Besson was in hot water over the, all no, this. No, I, I, I just I, wanted to see the movie because yep. it looked like a cool and I spy went into movie this... with a female-led, you know, the female-led cast. And exactly, I went into so. it with that saw it in the theaters, regardless of the controversy. Movies I want to see, I want to see. Right. So you know. We can all you, talk about Michael Jackson and moonwalking, but well, you know you got to pick your battles. That's yeah. that's kind of my thought on the whole yeah, thing. And and honestly, uh, you know, we're a silly podcast. We're not going to get into the in depth yeah. ramifications. It's really not our socio place. whatever in here. Certainly. We're just reviewing movies. Indeed, we that is not our place. No, so. no. And if it ever becomes like that, <laughs> I'm pretty sure our show is done. So. Yeah. So moving right along. Moving right along. Uh, music. Um, Eric, Sarah. Somehow continues to get work, despite the fact that the GoldenEye soundtrack is still a thing that exists. <laughs> but <laughs> it does turn out, I didn't realize this, he's a frequent collaborator with Luc Besson. All right. And he did do The Fifth Element, which I don't hate. No. And honestly, I didn't hate the music in this either. No, it was perfectly adequate for the film that it was. Well, and here's the other thing. It's, it's a movie that's set in the 90s. Which fits Eric Sarah perfectly. Sure. He's so, not even out of his wheelhouse. He's not out of his wheelhouse. It's right there for him. So he's it's you'd have to try to screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> so no problems there. So getting into the main characters, of course, we've got Anna, played by Sasha Luce or Luss. I'm Luce. Luce. Dealer's choice. It sounds funner to say Luce. Luce. Sasha Luce. But I Thought she did a fantastic job. I think the thing that I was most impressed by was how physical she was able to be. Absolutely. How convincingly capable she was holding guns and fighting. And yeah. she handled all the choreography really well. There's That scene, I'm going to be singing the praises of that restaurant scene over oh and over gosh. again. Oh my gosh, I know. And, and her, the job that she did in there, there are very few moments where I could even tell... Or not, I, I don't think I could tell if there was ever like a stunt double in there, mainly because when she was on camera and you could see her face, she did such a spectacular job. Right. There was no obvious dissonance between her and her stunt woman. So, yeah. well, and you know, that's, that's what a good stunt team does for you. They make you look good. Right. It's their whole job. To exactly. Make the star look good. So. Right. As far as that goes, I thought she did a good job there. I thought acting wise too, just in general, I thought she did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, I never saw, there was never a moment where I was like, eh, I don't know. No, and I mean, they, they certainly didn't take the character too far in depth. 
in sure. too many places. But do you really get a lot of in-depth character development in a Luke Besson movie, particularly for the women? No. no. He doesn't put women in there for the character no. development. He puts he puts uh, them in that because they look good. And... Yeah, well, the, and the, the funny thing is they're always the stars, and they have the least amount of character of anything. Right. And I, part of that, and I, I'm going to say part of that is because he puts – the supporting characters are such good actors that are so good with the little bits exactly. of, that they have that you don't need to. That's what he, I mean, he's essentially finding a Luke Skywalker yes. and then building around Luke Skywalker, a bunch of people who are really good at acting. Yes. So you pay attention to them almost more than the, right. Than the lead. They are particularly in this movie. They are kind of building the character through the ancillary character. Exactly. I mean, you've got the supporting roles here. I mean, all these people are well known. You've got Luke Evans. You've got Helen Mirren. Right. Who is probably the best character in the whole film. Absolutely. You know, uh, Cillian Murphy, who is a fantastic actor as well. Right. So you're not, it's not like you're at a loss for people around you who are going to help build up that main character. No. But um, speaking of the other main characters, you know, we did have the character Alex uh, Chenkoff, played by Luke Evans, who did a... He did a good job. I mean, I don't think they gave him too much to do other than just kind of look cool and yeah, smolder, smolder and have sex with Anna. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, so hard job. Hard, yeah. Rough, rough, rough job, <laughs> rough job. Anyway. And then, like I said, Helen Mirren is just fantastic. I mean, obviously she's kind of playing a stereotypical, the Rosa Klebb character, right? but almost closer to the version in... Austin Powers than than Rosa Klebb herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like know. with the glasses and everything. It's just so, uh, I was waiting for her to go, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Bring <in> the cloud. <laughs> you know, I to be honest with you, I think her character had a little more nuance than Rosa Klebb did. It's yes. almost like if we if if Rosa Klebb had been given an opportunity in the James Bond movie to be a real person, yes, rather than just a, a caricature of a real person, yes, and uh, it's not overly apparent right at the start of her introduction right but as you get to the end it's much more obvious you know how obviously in the in the 11th hour of the movie right you suddenly realize a whole lot more right but again like i said they're building up honest anna's character through the other characters and their reactions to anna and Mm -hmm. what she's doing so and then we've got uh lenny miller played by cillian murphy who is a cia agent and he, <laughs> I don't know if I entirely buy his American accent, but honestly, he's such a good actor regardless. Yeah. He does, he's, he still knows how to act regardless. I mean, his American accent isn't bad. No, it's definitely a Midwestern something. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite Upper Peninsula, uh, <laughs> a Great Lakes type of deal. Right. But it's not quite Nebraska either. I'm, yeah. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's Ohio. I don't know. Uh, what did they Ohio. sound like in Black Widow? Do you remember from when we did that one? <laughs> Ohio. Did they sound a whole lot, a whole lot like he's? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Well, I don't All know. I know is he does a better American voice, accent, whatever you will, than Benedict Cumberbatch. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> there you go. That's good enough for me. But I thought he played it really cool just in the sense that... At the beginning, when you first meet him, you don't entirely know what to make of him, whether he's one of those stereotypical CIA agents that right. you see in a, in a movie that's made by a foreign 
<laughs> director. By a non-American uh, director, you mean? By a non-American director. Right. Because whenever a non-American director is making a movie about spies, and then we've got the Americans, the Americans are Americans are always kind of like this, and they're not. They're all Americans. They're in always. Those they're all not quite too bright and all that sort of thing. But right. he is great because the the character himself is great simply because you don't realize just how sharp he is. Right. Until a little ways into the movie. Right. And then he just goes full barrel into it. You're like, dude, dude's competent. Yeah. More than competent. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Holy cow. This is not a David Harbour. It's indeed. And and Silly Murphy plays it really well. So. Absolutely. And then finally, we've got uh, Maude. Uh, who is Anna's girlfriend, played by uh, Lara Abova, who is oh, <laughs> she's gorgeous. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Hey, you know what? That actually makes me think of something that happened recently online. What's that? So I posted something on behalf of the CIC. I'm I'm ashamed to say <laughs> that <laughs> that was on Twitter. Florence Pugh was recently on the cover of Vanity Fair. Okay. And so when Vanity Fair does those big glitzy covers with a bunch of hot upcoming Yeah, the actors, Hollywood people. Yeah, yeah. All the Hollywood people. They always do these like little videos of making of the, the, mm-hmm. the photo shoots and what have you. And there's a little quick one that's like maybe, I don't know, like 10 seconds long or whatever that just, you know, is on repeat. And I retweeted it and I said, I forget what I said, something about Please make Black Widow 2 or something like that. (laughs) Somebody sent me a meme. Somebody replied to it with a meme that says, go to horny jail. So, so essentially, what I'm trying to say is they're now, not wrong. Now, now I believe the term that the uh, that the young folks are using is called simping. Is simping is when you when you just unabashedly oogle like beautiful women, and I think that's I think that's what I was doing. I think I was simping, and then I was just simping just right now. That's all right. I, about I, mod, I've been accused of simping, even though I didn't know that it was called simping. Yeah, well. I mean, this is this is new terminology for me. We're we're I'm we're, old. I don't know anything. We're about a little. We're, I, we are no longer green behind any no, ears or no. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Haley Atwell is beautiful, <laughs> and so was Maude. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she was Anna's girlfriend in the movie. She didn't have a whole lot to do, but what she did do, I appreciated quite a bit. She had a pretty good emotional scene for a character that was more or less window dressing for the rest of it. So. Exactly. That that moment towards the end of the movie when uh, Cillian Murphy's character barges in with guns at her head. Like, she does a good job. She, yeah. She fared quite well. She did. So as far as just a general, what's your general reaction? You know, you know so it's a movie. It's a movie. I mean, I've I saw it. I think I saw it maybe two years ago after it had had its theatrical release. But once it had hit streaming, I think that's when I watched it. Mm-hmm. My thought was it's just that it is a really fun spy movie to watch. I do think it's sort of this. It's a little too. <laughs> I understand why it didn't do spectacular, even if it there hadn't been any sort of controversy with Luke Besson. I think that there's an awful lot of male gazing in this movie. Uh, there's an awful lot of male wish fulfillment going on in this movie. So it's a Luc Besson movie. It's a Luc Besson. Yes, it's, All right. it's essentially a Luc Besson movie. Now that being said, the storyline, the plot, the way that they created all the twists and turns is maybe one of the biggest strengths of the movie. It's just how they keep twisting the story on its end. I do right. wish that they hadn't quite done all the time jumping. That yeah, that made it a little. I don't know. 
I, normally, I don't really care about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This one, it just sort of felt like we're trying to be sneaky, sneaky, clever, clever, but we can't figure out a way to get through our own cleverness other than to do a flashback. Right. You know? Yeah. And, you know, as almost we, too smart for their own good. Well, or not smart enough to for be good, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because isn't this more or less what uh, Atomic Blonde was? Yeah, very right? much so. And did we do any time jumps in Atomic Blonde? There were a couple of flashback scenes, but it wasn't like, let's go back six months. Let's go back three months. Let's go back two years. Oh, it's 85. And now it's 90. But is it 90? Because those fucking phones aren't from 1990. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Ben's isn't either. But, you know, I, it, this is what I thought of when I saw it was that this is, it's Atomic Blonde, but not that same level. Right. And what's hilarious is, and don't get me wrong, I like David Leach, mm-hmm. right? But he's not Luke Besson. <laughs> Right. From an artistic standpoint. From a, standpoint, from a yes. directorial standpoint. And yet he made what is effectively the same movie significantly better. Yeah. Because atomic, if you put Atomic Blonde against Anna, Atomic Blonde it's is... It's going to win every time. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody has a character. Your main character is being acted the shit out of by Charlize Theron. Right. All of the supporting people are doing what all the supporting people than Anna are doing. But better because the character <laughs> supporting is better. Right. And at the end of the day, and this is, I think, the biggest criticism I'm going to have this week, I gave a shit about what was happening to her in Atomic Blonde. Whereas... This one, I'm like, she's going to survive at the end because that's how this movie's going to end. Right. If anything, you're more concerned with, well, what happens? Right. Not how ha- do we get to the ending we know is coming, not the ending we know is coming? Right. Exactly. So I will say one of the strengths though are the the action sequences they absolutely are i mean he really i don't know who his uh stunt coordinator was or you know how they worked all that type of stuff out but man that restaurant scene i will just it's just it's so good it is it It is. is like the blocking in it the camera movement it all feels really fluid and organic and nothing feels she never feels superhuman. No, because they don't put her in any kind of combat situations that someone her size couldn't tackle. Get out of. Yeah, I mean, even the even the scene at the end when, after she's killed the head of the KGB and she's fighting all these KGB agents and sliding through this and jumping through that and <laughs> all that sort of thing. It still didn't. It never got to a point that was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you know? although I will say that that's that last big fight scene at the KGB offices was not as satisfying as the restaurant scene was. Right? No, not it, at all. It was it wasn't like as ballet gritty. and then jazz. And yeah, you know I'm going to be honest with you. I hate ballet and I hate jazz. <laughs> How dare but, you? I love jazz. But <laughs> as far as watching something like this, I'd much rather watch ballet dancers dance than jazz musicians dance. Right. I'm just saying. Well, because one's a lot more planned out. Right. And and the improvisational aspect that I, I'm kind of alluding to in that last one seemed more planned than the planned one did. There just wasn't that level of flow. Because yeah. it went from what was basically a murder porn dance, right, to a barroom brawl. Right. And I don't buy her in a barroom brawl. Right. And it felt more almost, it teetered on being video gamey. Exactly. As she was as she was just kind of walking through this hallway shooting all these guys and yeah. you know as much as they tried to get to well I don't remember when Daredevil came out but I think about that hallway fight scene in oh, Daredevil. Significantly before this did 
I think uh, Daredevil came out in 2014, 2015. So that was well before. Yeah. So he could have very well have been influenced by maybe something like that. Maybe. But I think they were going for more of a John Wick vibe in that oh, last one. Oh, yeah, very much. Because it was all about one-shot kill, one-shot kill. But the thing is, when Canoe does it, sorry, Keanu, when Keanu <laughs> does it, there's that definitive, you're dead, right? It's not one shot. It's, it's a headshot. Or if there's no headshot, two, just to make sure. Right. right. And she went through sort of like, maybe he's wounded, maybe he's dead. Maybe he's wounded, maybe he's... No, no, he's dead. He's dead. Maybe he's wounded, maybe he's dead. Well, and they're sort of guilty of that, too. In the in the other scene, which I do love, is the fashion yeah. walk... Uh, fashion mon- murder porn montage. Yeah, where half of it is her doing a lot of fashion shoots and a lot of glamorous models and hot girls and all this stuff. And somehow intercut... With Anna going on all these different assassination yes. uh, gigs that she's got going, <laughs> and and all the shots are to the time of the music, and everything's very glitzy and yeah. fancy. And honestly, that montage, I feel like Luke Besson had that in his head, and he built a spy movie around <laughs> it. it. Totally, totally. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like so, to me. It's like the the aquarium restaurant in um, Mission Impossible. Like that that was the whole impetus for making the movie was to get a bunch of water to fall down and <laughs> right. almost drown Tom Cruise. Right. They just they he had De Palma had in his head. Yes, I want to. I want to do this scene with a giant wave of water, and they're in a restaurant. Yes. And I shall build an entire and I shall Mission Impossible. Make it happen. <laughs> Call it what you will. Weaknesses of the film. I didn't necessarily. I don't think the film has any weaknesses, other than in general, it could be better character development of the main person. Yeah. But it, For... it doesn't try to be something it's not. Yeah. So it can't really be, oh, there can't be any weaknesses. It, it's in its wheelhouse. It knows where it's going. Yeah. It's following the rails that everybody else follows. Right. It's just got the kiss of Besson. I think, I think if I was to give it a weakness, again, I'm not super crazy about the time jumping all yeah. over the place. Almost using it as a crutch, like you were sort of saying, especially with the boyfriend. That was the, you know, we were watching this together and I actually paused the movie because I'm like, well, wait, when is this going on when when she's on drugs with this terrible, right. terrible, abusive boyfriend? Because it's the one part in the movie where they don't give you a time jump. They literally just move back without yeah. even a Scooby-Doo. Right. It's just a hard cut. All and you get suddenly, is she has ugly hair. Why does she have ugly hair? Well, it's, it's even worse than that because the hard cut is to her literally having sex with this guy. And it's not... And her hair's ugly. And her hair's, her hair's ugly, and it's just bad, and it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I hate the, the, the conceit of having to utilize that to tell you where you're going. If right. you're telling a story well enough, you know you've gone back to the period of time that you need to go into, and you don't. Right. You know? We knew when we were in 1955... In Back right. to the Future, right? And I'll grant it, we're going from 90 to 85. There's not that much right. of a shift. But through costuming and acting, mm-hmm. you should be able to tell. I guess what I'm saying is like, I got that they went back in time because I told you this is happening before, right? Mm-hmm. The time jumps, should I should have just been able to know they're going back to here, they're going back exactly. to there. All you really needed was from that opening scene with the heads... And we're going to talk about the heads. Oh, yes. The opening scene with the heads, 
You needed to know that this was now happening five years in the future. That should have been the only extrapolation you needed. Or five years in the past. Well, no, no. It started in 85. Right. Then we needed to know from there, the actual story takes place five years later in 1990. Yes, yes. We didn't need the six months, three months, four months, 18 months, 22 months. Everybody that I've seen that's done this successfully just films the scene in its entirety and then edits the parts you need for where you're at and then gives you more as you're trying to expose it. You don't need a time jump because you just watched that scene 20 minutes ago. Right. You should understand that this is happening at the same time. Also, speaking of that scene, the very first scene in the movie where uh, it's 1985 and all these American diplomats and assets are driving around. Doing their thing. They're, they're doing, doing their Moscow. Th- they're doing their thing in Moscow. And they're all either being assassinated or somebody's putting a bag over their head and taking them away. There's one lady who's literally at the U.S. Embassy entrance in her car and she's waiting to get cleared. And a Land Rover rolls in and smashes her to bits. Uh, And then that all ends with this scene where this, I think it's a reporter... I don't uh, remember. I don't, all she she runs up to Luke Evans' character Alex, and she's like, "I'm an American, blah blah blah. Right, come with me. Right. I'll you know, I'll take care of you." So she ends up in a room with the head of the KGB, and the head of the KGB is like, "Can you deliver a message for me?" And she thinks that this is her way of surviving and not right. dying. And she's like, sure. Well, not sure. She's like, uh-huh, And I then guess. what do we do? We cut to a box from FedEx or whoever, <laughs> right? And I, you being, know, being delivered to the CIA. Yeah, and they're like. Oh, we're so surprised when we open and there's a human head in it. Are you, though? <laughs> You're the CIA. I'm like, first of all, I watched this cut to this box and I already know there's a head in there. <laughs> and I couldn't even remember that from the movie. Right. What else comes in a box that's shaped for fitting a bowling ball? <laughs> exactly. Now, what I did like was that at the end of that scene, after right. he opens up the head and you see the wide shot and his desk is... Full of boxes of that exact same shape. Yeah, size, same packaging. <laughs> None of them opened yet, though. Yes. This is yes, the first one. That was the first one. Now, the thing about this is, while it's a great thing to open with because it shocks the watcher into the, into the movie, the payoff is not amazing for it. It's I almost feel like he had this idea in his head. Luke Besson had an idea for this sending heads to the CIA uh-huh. idea. Probably because he watched another movie where something like that happened and yeah, said, I, I need imagine. that in my movie. Right. And then he had to figure out a justification for having it in there. Right. And it doesn't come until the very end of the movie where right. Cillian Murphy's character is, it's his fuck up why all these agents died. Right. And so he's trying to make good with his, within his own organization. Right. And in his own conscience, I think, too. Well, okay, fair enough. But it, it's weird that they waited so long to... Well, he said it took him five years to get to that point. He literally had been planning this That's probably true. from the day he opened up that head. All right, fine, he, it works. Because he, <laughs> he really needed Anna right. to pull it off. Right. So he was waiting for the right asset to come along sure. to turn and, and, and get what he needed. So right. if she hadn't been there, it could have been 10 years before he got what yeah. he needed. Just real quick to go back to the whole time jumping thing. Uh-huh. So... I recently heard about this thing that Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I, hold on, hold on. Right. Just re, continue. Stay with me. Continue. They have a thing that they do in the writers' room of South Park, and it's this thing where a movie. They say that a movie is a sequence of scenes, and to connect each scene, you have to be able to say "therefore" in between them, or "but," or "meanwhile." Mm-hmm. And 
I get the feeling that Luc Besson would fail that test with this movie. And, and the whole time jump thing is evidence of that. Right. You know, because there are moments where when they're jumping, there is no, therefore, you must see this now or, but this happened right. also. Like, there's none of that. There's no cause or yeah, you know, explanation. Mean, because a lot of times when you do those time jumps, like you were sort of saying, you see a scene, you watch a scene, and then you time jump. That, that next scene should be explaining. Right. Should, it should there be, should be a link to the previous thing. It should be thing. the but. Right. It should be the but. You're seeing this, but here's what actually happened. Exactly. Right. And right. if it and doesn't, it, if there, if it's a non sequitur, right. then then you've got a problem. Right. And again, it's, it's a cheater. It's like having to explain a joke. If you have to explain a joke, it's not funny. If you have to tell me something is happening in a movie because it's not explicitly in the writing and the performance, right. there's a problem there, whether it's the writing, the directing, the performing, or all three. Right. Sometimes a bad script is just a bad script. Yeah. You know, and you need crutches to get you along. Mm-hmm. I mean... Did I need to know that I was in Norway for Black Widow? Yes. Did I need a gigantic big <laughs> sign telling me I'm in Norway? Probably, Probably not. not. Because good writing would have said, Erndy, Glerndy, Vlerndy, Herndy. <laughs> right. Welcome to Norway. Or You'd driving. Be, you would be better off. You were getting to the right there. I, I could. Sorry, I interrupted you. Because, <laughs> yes. Driving past the sign that says, welcome to Norway or, or town of. Some, right. Some town in Norway that's well known. Right. Although, admittedly, <laughs> how many towns in Norway are well known? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but you put anything on a road sign with that weird O and a couple of extra V's you're in the probably middle gonna, of it, you're, you're going to guess we're club. somewhere yeah. in the upper part of Europe. Right. Um, but yes, that's exactly the point they're trying to make. Good writing follows the narrative. Bad writing requires crutches to get you through it. Exactly. And so maybe more crutches in here than we needed to have. Yeah. Other scenes in here, I did really like the whole, the plot to kill Vasilev, the the head of the KGB. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I liked the way that they gave it to us because of all the time jumps, but at the same time, it was quite clever. And And I especially liked the added bit at the very end, the twist which includes Helen Mirren's character, Olga. Olga is sort of this, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, subhead of the KGB. Right. She's, she's, she's got some level of power right. in what she does. Maybe she's the head of foreign intelligence or head of assassinations. Right. I'm sure they had one of those at the KGB. Sure. But she's a she's a higher level person with, with, the, with yes. the KGB. But her involvement in this whole situation where, you know, she's smart enough to already uncover that at that point in the movie, Anna had been compromised and knew that she was working with the Americans. And and she's like, well, what do the Americans want? Right. And then- But see, that's one of the few places where we had that successful, but this happens. Yes. That's when the flashbacks worked. Right, because and there wasn't a callback or whatever else. Right. We were so in the thick of it because it was happening. The narrative told you what was happening when you did the cutback to it. Right. So yeah, <laughs> that's, but, it's definitely I, you're right. It's definitely a weak point of the film. Too many crutches. Too many crutches. Too many. Too many crutches. 
And what about briefcases, Ben? Oh my goodness. They should, these There's... briefcases should have actually had like their own like credits <laughs> in the movie. Everybody had a fucking briefcase. Everybody had a briefcase. You know, it's funny. We've talked about lists. We've talked about fights yeah, and bathrooms. Yeah, we're bath- adding briefcase. Yeah. We've we've talked about lists. We've talked about fights and bathrooms. Now we're going to talk about briefcases because, br- man, they just briefcase well, the hell out of this well, and movie. The, and the there thing, are. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had a briefcase. And the thing is, everybody had something in that briefcase that Anna had to bring along after she capped him in the head. Right. Or and she I, had to. What was the thing that she had some contraption underneath this uh when she's sleeping with uh Cillian Murphy's character and they're in that and they do the flashback to show that she had gotten all the information off the drive on his computer right but it was pulled magically underneath from some sort of contraption or I don't know if she hooked it up to a thing or or what I don't but- know I feel like that's probably uh uh Mirren's character helping out at that point but yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's our techie gadget thing for this movie. <laughs> exactly. Because this was a decidedly non-gadgety film. Right. They were trying to ground it in some level of reality, even though in 1990, there were no StarTac flip phones. <laughs> the fact, I don't think any of the cell phones we saw were circa 1990. Right. I remember cell phones from 1990. <laughs> they all look like the brick phones that everybody thinks of came from the 80s because we hadn't figured out a battery stuff enough to get the tiny ones. But I could be wrong. Just saying. America might have fancy flip phones. Russia ain't going to have them. I don't even think I had, just just on a personal level, I don't think I had a cell phone. 1997 for me. Yeah, that's, I was going to say about 99 for me. 98 or 99. I could have had one. I didn't want one. Yeah. I still don't want one. But unfortunately, (laughs) this thing's surgically grafted to my hand now, so I can't remove it. Um, But yeah, a lot of briefcases. Yeah, a lot of briefcases. And yet no gold coins. No gold coins. No gun that magically gets made out of parts from it. Right. No uh, knife that comes out the side of it. No no No. secret combination thing to get it to open properly or releases some sort of a gas. Right. There's no bullets in it to, you know, I think we need to I think we need to amend this. Briefcases (laughs) are okay, but only if they do cool shit. That's right. If they don't do cool shit. If they just contain if they just contain a a list (laughs) or they contain a bathroom fight or they contain (laughs) any other things that we don't like. That's right. Disk drives, microdots, all that horseshit. By the way, all in perfect display in this movie. Here's your drive. Here's your thumb drive. Did they even have thumb drives in 1990? Not ones that had a USB port like that's that. That's how she downloaded the oh, information. I know. I know. I just realized that. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. That's so, a cheat. That's a cheat for sure. So here's the thing. I'm guessing Anna is really in an alternate universe where technology is maybe. Here it is. I don't know if you've all watched For All Mankind on Apple Plus. Check it out. It's great if you like space. There was the premises <laughs> the Russians got to the moon before we did. All these technologies came from it because we had to catch up with them. They had email in the 80s. They had cell phone in the 80s. That's what this universe is. Ah, and then it all makes sense. And they stole USB drives <laughs> and some sort of a thing, and that's how the Russians had it. Okay, fine. I'm satisfied. I can move along with this because <laughs> if I didn't, I would have driven me crazy for at least five or ten more minutes. <laughs> I do like. I will just bring up one other little moment. Actually, two moments that I really like in the movie. I like the sit down with the two boyfriends in the park. Yes, at the very end. <laughs> at the very end, I like that moment a lot. Just because she's just so in control of the whole thing. Yes. And you know you're about to find out how she's going to pull all this shit off. Because you know she's going to pull it off. Right. You know it's coming. That's the whole end of this. Right. 
So you don't you don't stand off the two warring factions against one right. another unless you've got a way to get out of that Trojan horse. So. Right. And I kind of just like the fact that they have to sit there and look at each other and be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're barely, well, you got Cillian Murphy's character kind of like, I'm pretty sure this guy kicked my ass. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I want to stay, but you know what? They're they're leading me away. I, I'm just going to stay. <laughs> they're leading me away. I, bye, Luke. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Uh, it, you know, I got, so I have to say, I think that was probably the end of the movie is probably my favorite scene. That park scene, not the yeah. end end. <laughs> where everything gets revealed, but that scene where everybody comes together, and because you know something's going to happen at that point, it's the culmination. You get probably well, I won't say you you get her best performance in there, but she definitely is liking the control. You can tell she feels like it's in there. The other two are playing flabbergasted pretty well, but the scene plays out very nicely and not in a mean way. Right, right. right. You know, it's like I got the upper hand on you. I got you. I play chess. I win. Right, and. Off you go. Right. And even though she already knows she's won, she still tries to offer each of them like some semblance of peace or some... Right. Well, just give me six months and then you can come after me. You right, know, right, that, right. Yeah, it's like, oh, that. I know, I know. No, six months is of freedom is a lifetime for me. Right. I'm like, yeah, okay, you've got something up your sleeve. And I will say the very last moment in the movie I really like as well, the fact that Anna was smart enough to have footage yes. of Olga talking about how she was in on killing the head of the KGB so right. that she could take over right. as as leverage so that they'd never, ever, ever come after her again. Right, exactly. So, again, we know that Luke can make spy movies. Yeah. This one just kind of felt sort of aimless. It's a pure popcorn you know, you watch it, it and then you forget about it and you move on. It's not something that you're going to necessarily go back to No, very often. No. Maybe I, just on a day. Maybe you're hungover and you need something that's kind of brainless. And yes. you can just watch it. Comes it comes in on TV. You're only 15 minutes in. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch the rest of this. Yeah. Movie. But really, it, it's John Wick with political intrigue. And, really, all, and a ton of hot girls. <laughs> there, yeah, there's that too. Again, Atomic Blonde, I'm just saying. Atomic Blonde uh, delivers. Nikita, for that matter. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you have a lot of options when you want to watch Hot Blondes Kick Ass. Right. <laughs> this one probably wouldn't be your top one. No. But also not your worst one. No, certainly not your worst one. But it's one of the, but like we said. It just happens to be on TV. You're kind of hungover on a Sunday. And you got nothing better to do. You probably wouldn't turn the channel. Yeah. You'd probably just sit there and watch it because, you know, it's shoot them up, bang, bang. Moving on. Moving on. Right. But yeah. But uh, why don't uh, you, the listener out there, hey, you, you. Hello. Hello. Are testing, you there? Testing. One, <laughs> two, three. Why don't you let us know what you thought of the movie? And because uh, we'd love to share your insights in a future Intel report or Absolutely. something like that in our mailbag. These, so, ones, these ones are going to be, like I said, as you can tell, they're going to be a lot less structured, a little more staccato. Yes. And so um, we like to have you guys in on the conversation because uh, maybe you saw something we did. Maybe you have varying thoughts. So Exactly. Yeah, let us know. We want you to yeah. be part of the conversation. We're going to put you in the conversation if you're bringing on it anyway. That's right. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. Could be fun. Yeah. 
So please get in touch. Our email is cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, you can send us a message there. It's uh, Central Intelligence Cinema separated by underscores. On Twitter, I am at CIC SpyPod or on Facebook as well. And of course, also, if you are enjoying the podcast, it would be lovely if you could help us out. Maybe give us a glowing five-star review on one of many different uh, streaming services, whichever happens to be your favorite, because uh, whenever we get more reviews, more five-star reviews, people are able to see our show quicker when they search for hashtag silly spy shit, and then we can build the community even better. Yay! Indeed. But uh, I think that's about it for now. Yep, nothing left to say. All right. Well, for that, I'm Ben. I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.